Welcome, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Pull Back the Curtain, a Philly theater podcast. I am your host, Margo Catalona, and today I have the lovely Tay Skjoners here with me. Hi, Tay. Hi. Hi, Margo. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Tay, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do here in Philly. Obviously, I know you from the Arden uh, Mm -hmm. specifically. Tell the listeners where else they might know you from. Sure. So um, I don't know if anyone (laughs) knows me from where I grew up, but I'm from Cherry Hill, New Jersey in South Jersey. It's about 20 minutes away. Um, I went to, I graduated from Rutgers University with a theater arts uh, bachelor's degree. And I, um, you may uh, know me from, I was an art and apprentice about two years ago. Currently I'm a artistic associate with Philadelphia Artists Collective. Um, I've did an acting apprenticeship with Dell Shakes and uh, I've also worked with Theater Contra in the past. I've worked at the National Constitution Center. So maybe you've seen me in Philly. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be great if you have. Lovely. But, um, I love it. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Cool. So like getting to our questions here, uh, specifically about Philadelphia Artists Collective. So mm-hmm. PAC for short. Um, tell me about your work with them and how you got involved. Sure. So as an artistic associate, um, it's very much a collective. Uh, as artists, it's kind of like a, a ragtag group of, of people who bring their skill sets uh, to different shows that we do. We do uh, rare classics. Uh, and a lot of the work is both on stage and behind the scenes. So producing, um, as well as acting. I've acted in a couple of the Philato- uh, the pack shows. Uh, my first show was Steve Voyage, which was last summer. Uh, missed the God. Philly Fest. That was fun. Um, but also on the administrative side, I do a lot of the social media blog posts for PAC. Uh, recently, I've started co-producing uh, with our venture reading series with Damon Bonetti, uh, we also have a new uh, venture play festival coming up, which I'll be co-producing with Damon as well. Nice. Um, and I didn't mention before I did I did a bad job of saying like, <laughs> what I do as a theater artist. Um, so my background is mostly in I started with costume design and then uh, mm-hmm. moved on to stage managing and acting and um, working as a teaching artist. But mm-hmm. uh, with PAC, I've acted. I've uh, stage managed and, like I said, co-produced. So maybe costumes one day. We'll see. I don't know, maybe. but um, gotta get that's what I there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? But um, that's uh, basically my role in the pack. Nice. It's definitely a little bit of everything for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Nice. Um, and how has Pack been handling the pandemic so far? I know. You also do something similar to this. You have a reading series that you host. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is going on? That's a that's a great question. I feel like this <laughs> pandemic, this season for PAC uh, was interesting because we we really are we are doing a lot. We've done a lot mm-hmm. this year, and especially in the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like we've had yeah. <laughs> more meetings uh, than <laughs> we normally would. So we've been sure. a, lot, a lot busier than I think uh, any of us would have expected heading into this like new territory of the pandemic. And unfortunately, a lot of theaters haven't been able to, you know, do much, but we've been able to keep the season busy. So uh, in the fall, we did Trouble in Mind, directed by Amina Robinson. Um, we have these, like I said, venture reading series where we usually co- collaborate with different theater companies in Philly. Um, and in the winter, we uh, collaborated with PAPA and we did the recognition of Shakuntala. Um, that was really, really great. Uh, we also started like a pandemic reading club where we... Uh, Pick we got <laughs> of our um, subscribers and people that follow the pack to recommend rare classics, and then uh, like once a month, about we get together and read a play. We send out a play, we read a play, we talk about it, 
that's also fun. Um, we have another venture reading series coming up in the spring, and we're collaborating with Theater Ariel, uh, which is a Jewish-based theater uh, company in Philly. And like I said, we have a, a new play festival, <laughs> play festival festival this season that we're doing that we've never done before. So yeah, we <laughs> trying to stay busy during the time. Great. I love how you guys are like, all right, uncharted territory. Let's go all in. I love it. Oh, we've also been doing like a pack perspective because it's the 10th anniversary of the pack. And Damon has been doing a lot of uh, looking back at pack over the years and looking at each play and talking with different artists and designers in the play and doing like a fun little flashback on Facebook. Um, and on YouTube. And I've been interviewing some artists that we've worked with in the past, different from the PAC perspective, and just seeing how they're handling mm-hmm. the pandemic. Nice. Um, yeah, so yeah, a, a lot <laughs> going on. <laughs> You're you. probably better at this than I am at this point. Oh, no. I'm taking <laughs> to you. Like, he doesn't say um a lot. <laughs> Very calm <laughs> when speaking. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> Great. Probably when you listen to this, everyone, all the ums and likes are going to be cut out. So Editing. Hello. <laughs> Magic. Think of editing. <laughs> and Tay, something really cool about PAC is there's no like designated space per se, right? Uh, Yeah, so we do have a rehearsal space, but it's not, (laughs) yeah, like you said, it's not um, our our, uh, performance space. We usually uh, pick different locations, historical locations in Philly that are really, really cool. Um, (laughs) We've we've did the Seaport Museum uh, for a sea voyage. We've worked at the uh, cemetery. We've done a lot of different really cool locations that, like, I feel like... A lot of theater companies, you wouldn't really be able to to do that or experience theater. So we do have a rehearsal space, um, which is like very nearby uh, in South South Philly, but uh, it's not our our performance space, our performance venue. Yeah. Nice. That's really cool because I feel like a lot of the major theater companies have been hit hard because it's like, you still have to pay rent. You still have to manage your own space, but also you guys are really utilizing the fact that you do not have that space (laughs) in a great way. Yeah. And we were talking about possibly trying to like renovate that space to make it a performance Mm -hmm. space. And it didn't work out, especially, you know, the pandemic came and it was just like, we kind of had to abandon those plans. But I mean, I think it's really cool that we're able to visit a bunch of different historical sites in Philly. It's a great opportunity to like partner and network and introduce audiences to, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of, I don't know. I always thought that in my, at least like first two years of doing theater, it was like, you have to be in a traditional performance space sure whereas like you can do theater literally anywhere outside kind of something we need to work on I think is Mm -hmm. uh finding these spaces that are still accessible um yes uh so of course we want to do we want to like have these interesting uh spaces that fit the play and add like an element of like surprise or like unexpected you know, the audience aren't really expecting it, but we still want to make sure that people who uh, have uh, certain physical needs are still able to see the play. So that's something we're talking yeah. about in the future. Um, but yeah. Nice. That's great. I think, yeah, accessibility is very often overlooked. So I'm glad that you're paying attention to it. Um, cool. Talking also about like maybe things that have to change and all that stuff. Um any misconceptions of being a female artist of color, whether that's in your performance ventures, in your producing ventures, any admin work, like Mm -hmm. how do any challenges come across and how do you overcome them in the work you do? Oh, yeah. That's such a great loaded question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, it's important to talk about. Um, 
I think, I think definitely so much of that has come to light, uh, especially this year about Mm -hmm. um, racism in theater uh, and, and the, the small microaggressions that BIPOC artists face that aren't, it's not intentional. Well, there's some intentional racism, but also like, you know, intentional racism Mm -hmm. Um, and not feeling necessarily comfortable enough to speak in a room Mm, when uh, there's trauma happening. Um, So misconceptions I don't I something that I've come across as a grant writer uh, recently uh, have entered into that field (laughs) I think it's interesting the way that we paint the communities uh, that are in need of support Um, Mm. when I was working at Theater Horizon Erin Riley made a really really good good point about this and I respect her and look up to her so much but uh of uh, trying to find ways to communicate that we need to uh, not support, uh, highlight these communities or offer these services to these communities that aren't receiving it. Um, but, but without uh, telling the narrative of, of uh, it being like a, a savior complex yeah. or a white savior complex, quite frankly, yeah. um, a lot of the language that is used now in grants when talking about communities, certain communities in need is uh, saying these like disadvantaged uh, kids or youth or Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of language that's just kind of like a, for lack of a better phrase, like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say throwing a pity party, but, or, uh, but it's just, it should really be about uh, offering the arts or whatever help or mm-hmm. service to these communities in a way that it's it's about the fact that we all deserve the opportunity to experience theater or the mm-hmm. art or food or whatever the the service or the grant is uh, talking about. Sure. Um, instead of uh, painting a certain community, often communities of color in a certain uh, disparaging light. Um, so yeah. I thought it was really, really interesting. I think that's a misconception about uh, grant writing as a whole and not necessarily uh, uh, relating to myself as a female artist of color. I think I'm trying to work on that and to look to mm-hmm. other grant writers who are better at writing those narratives. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as a whole, it's something that like the nonprofit world can do better at. Yes. Um, yeah. But that was something yeah. I, I hadn't thought about before. Um, it's like that thing of like, you know, when something happens and you're like, Oh, that feels kind of icky or that sounds a little, mm. it's a fine line. Yep. It's a very fine line. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's something that if more people thought about actively, um, we could find better language to like tell these stories and to yeah. get people to want to, um, you know, to, to give and to, to help, you know, give, give, give these opportunities so that everyone can experience them. Yeah. That's so, that's such an interesting thought. And I'm really glad you brought it up because I am also interested in grant writing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have, very very limited experience in it and have taken like maybe a class or two um but i feel like a lot of the examples are like painting communities as disadvantaged or in that kind of negative connotation of that saviorism right right um like i can definitely look back to examples now as you're as you're speaking and be like yeah that was definitely what was behind that word um and then it's all about like what words should we use? Like what, um, how do you paint that better picture? And like, and I guess that's something that also I would love to hear from someone on like the foundation side of like, I don't know, like what, how does that come across compared to other grants that they're reading? Like, I would love to hear now (laughs) talking about it. Like, what is that other side of it? Yeah. It's something that, like I said, Aaron Riley really kind of 
was very focused on in my brief time. Let me be very clear. <laughs> brief time um, with Theater Horizon grant writing. It was more of like a summer thing. And mm-hmm. um, no, it, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful experience that I uh, would love uh, to connect with Erin again. But she was very focused, again, working closely with her and writing these narratives of all that Theater Horizon was doing, mm-hmm. um, making sure that that kind of savior complex wasn't in the center of the ask. Um, I really appreciate it because you don't think about that, especially if you're new to grant writing, which I was. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, or it's, yeah, it's also different. uh, I'll speak as like a black artist. Mm -hmm. Knowing certain transgressions happen knowing racism happens like again these like small instances mm-hmm. in a room and kind of being I don't want to say used to it but kind of just like because that's unacceptable that's not mm-hmm. something that anyone should be should get used to yeah kind of being like oh like well I'll just talk to my mom about this later or I'll like you know like uh shit talk about <laughs> this later you know yeah um, so maybe there's a misconception that if people are bothered, if artists of color or artists uh, who are also in the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. if they feel triggered or if they feel like um, an incident has happened that is so egregious or that they're so bothered that they'll speak up. That's a misconception because mm-hmm. some people I think are so used to small again like I said these like small instances because of how they grew up or Mm -hmm. uh, instances events that happened in their life where it's like they don't speak up because uh a the room like who's in the room what people in power in the room are they afraid to like shake things up or to to stir the waters and become like the problem actor or Mm -hmm. designer what have you the problem artist or it's that feeling of, do I really need to, this is a thing that happened, but it's small and I don't, uh, I don't feel that I'll be hurt. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons why. Why you wouldn't speak why up. Why you wouldn't speak up. Yeah. And it's not, let, you know, let's not blame the, the artist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, wow. and that's a misconception going back to answer your actual question. <laughs> grand detour (laughs) yeah I think that's that's a big yeah that's a great thought of like I don't know the comfort in the room the there's so many things that I don't know I feel like I've only been in this community for uh three ish maybe four years at this point but I mean I definitely saw that this past summer um with a lot of uprisings after George Floyd's death and the theater community kind of took a stand as well, um, at least try to hold more people accountable for past actions. Um, and I felt like at the same time, there were some artists being like, oh, well, why are you talking now? And it's like, well, now there is more, not reason to, but just it's more in the spotlight. So it's more allowed per se. Um, and that you can talk about it versus being shut down in a room. Right. Like, and I, I think it's also that boiling over point of like, you know, mm-hmm. especially with people saying like, oh, now things are different. Now things are, uh, because like thing, these instances of police brutality and, and, mm-hmm. and just like blatant racism in this country, among yeah. other horrible things have always existed and have always come up. And, um, so it's always been a thing, I think that mm-hmm. BIPOC, people especially black people are aware of Mm -hmm. um i don't know why this instance people are more ready to listen and why more people are more outraged i think the fact that there was visual uh there was a video of that particular murder Mm -hmm. i think because of the pandemic i think there are multiple reasons maybe why people not just black people but like a lot of people joined in and were like this isn't fair this isn't right Um, finally decided to pay attention yeah right right. because it's it's just it's been like this undercurrent 
in the country that's just it's always 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 been a part unfortunately mm-hmm. of american history uh, yeah. as in like oh shown up and then disappeared and then oh no no more racism because obama won like no yeah. <laughs> no we all know that um, it's gone for years yeah <laughs> right right but um i don't know i feel like maybe with the pandemic maybe because there was that vi- the video which is unfortunate that mm-hmm. i haven't watched it um it's unfortunate that so many people have um, unintentionally seen that video because it was like mm. shared and spread and there's yeah. problem in that. Um, but maybe it was just, uh, you can poke a bear for so long before it like, it's like, a, like come on, like the anger, uh-huh. just like my goodness, it kind of like explodes. Um, yeah. So yeah. I yeah. Those microaggressions like add up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then talking also about like that intersection of gender and race. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not just an artist of color. Right. You are. <laughs> um, how does that intersection play out in your work? Like, is there ever, has there ever been a time where you're like, oh, wow, I don't feel like I'm being heard because I'm a woman mm-hmm. um, or that I don't, can't speak in this situation because of that or because of that intersection there? Sure. I'm so glad we're talking about intersection because I feel like uh, artists are especially pigeonholed in so many mm-hmm. unhealthy ways that yeah. are wrong with this industry. But also we don't talk about the fact that there is that cross uh, connection with being like a female or and black mm-hmm. or gay, you know, there's uh, like all these different <laughs> things yeah. that people are. And it's not just like, yeah, yeah, it's not just like, Oh, I just pick one and that's it. Yeah. Um, so glad we're talking about it. I personally, and like you, I haven't been in Philly theater too, too long mm-hmm. about three and a half ish, four years now. Mm-hmm. Cause I graduated college like four years ago, I guess. So whatever. <laughs> rambling sorry um (laughs) I haven't experienced anything where I felt like because I'm a woman I can't say this or I can't Mm -hmm. do that I actively uh fight against that I think and I'm interested in art that does fight against that so in roles Mm -hmm. in projects I'm just like I just love (laughs) women and support women and and uh yeah especially BIPOC uh female identifying artists as well um so I personally haven't experienced that I know it exists I know Mm -hmm. it exists in Philly theater I've heard stories Mm -hmm. um so just because I haven't personally experienced that I'm not discrediting that that exists in the Philly community and that that needs Mm -hmm. to change yeah um but I am aware obviously you know you're aware uh it's something that I'm aware of and, and don't, and like I said, I'm fighting against, like, I will always make sure that my thoughts are, I feel like being heard and, and with PAC, it's great because Charlotte Northeast, (laughs) uh, artistic associate as well. Um, and we've had other members, uh, Krista Apple as well, who were members of the PAC and I've always felt and I've always seen that like everyone has such a strong voice in this collective and the pack really does center on like the the female voice in these classics, which I think is really kick ass. That is great. Right. And these, these rare classics are in classical plays in general, because, you know, there's a lot of racism and misogyny yeah. and, you know, uh, homophobia in the classics, sad to say, but the yeah. fact that the pack tries to center uh, the female, not only perspective, but their voice in mm. these plays, I really, really respect. So, Yeah, especially, yeah, because what I have learned throughout my theater history classes, like, it's very... Oh, it's very easy to <laughs> to not center those voices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and shout out to David Lee White. Um, <laughs> at least in our current class, we are looking specifically at like non-American shows and oh, nice. classics, but like trying to look at them in different lenses. So shout Amazing. out to David Lee White. 
for different ways and reinventing classics. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And then there's kind of this other intersection here of age as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is something we've talked about of like, we're both young artists. Um, how does that, um, I don't know if I'd call, I don't know if to call it discrimination or whatever it is, but is there kind of a weird part about being a young artist in this community and like how, how does that come across? How do you get past it? Sure. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. I think it just with any um, performance-based career path, I think (laughs) we as younger artists, and everyone was, right? Like, I think we're especially yeah. hard on ourselves. And I think, you know, this is not to be ageist or anything. Um, but there was that mindset, especially with um, actors um, uh, in the past, where it's like, you know, you, you're, you grind and you work and you do what you need to do. And it doesn't matter how much you're being paid. Like, you just do, you do it. And if you're starving, you're a starving art, right? Starving art, mm-hmm. that term yeah. doesn't come from nowhere. Um, yeah. And like with a, um, different internships, uh, people not getting paid for internships in the past, that was just kind of like normal. That was just the normal to like really, really work <laughs> all of yeah. the hours and not get paid a lot if you get paid, uh, mm-hmm. not get paid at all. And I think that's like an older, uh, that's from like the older generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I'm proud of now I see, I feel like, you know, the older generation experienced that and are kind of just like, well, well, no, Some people <laughs> may not feel this way, but I think they've really um, stepped up in a way uh, so that artists, young artists are mm-hmm. being paid for these internships and apprenticeships. And yeah. um I think also we as young artists have done an amazing job of advocating for ourselves and our mental health. Like that's definitely something that I see right now that I hope is expanded upon and in future generations to come of being able to say, uh, no, I will not accept this gig that requires me to do like 30 hours plus 40 hours plus of work with no pay because Mm -hmm. I, I I cannot do that. I cannot afford that. Yeah. Right. There's also classism in that too. The people that can oh, afford yes. to not, you know, uh, that can afford to not accept work, then mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, I digress. Yes, <laughs> but sure. All that to say that I think in the past there was this idea of like really running yourself down and ragged and not taking care of yourself. And I think that Mm -hmm. kind of spilled a little bit into our ideology growing up, especially in the arts theater. You don't make a lot of money. That's something that we come to expect, but something that I'm proud of and that I hope continues. I don't see why it wouldn't is that people are starting to like, like I said, advocate for themselves and, and really be aware of how much work they're they're um, not finding the right word, but uh, all of the work that they're that a project uh, requires of them. And, and let's be clear that like there's so much that you have to do in theater physically, mentally exhausting. It's not brain surgery, but I mean, even the pay now, it doesn't really add a, you know, it's, it's not like television yeah. or movies. Right. Um, I, I know a couple artists that are like, oh, they work in theater and film and they're just like, oh, it's so, it's so different. It's so like much easier to do film or TV. Right. Are like amazed when these theater actors come in and are, and are off book basically, because it's just like, you know, it's just like a different ball game and you get paid so much money when you do. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, but I just think we're doing a great job of really uh, listening to what our our souls need because Mm -hmm. we put so much of ourselves in the work that we do. And um, yeah, I think that's great. And I think we need to continue to do that and and push it further and tell these young artists that, you know, no, it's okay to 
if not stand up for yourself, you know, and not be mistreated and not be overworked. And, and that is okay to advocate for yourself. Love yes. that. Yeah. I think, yeah, there was definitely like freshman year at Drexel because we have to do two co-ops um, in my program and Drexel's known for its program for its co-op program. Mm-hmm. It, there was definitely this thing freshman year where it was like, you guys do understand being in the arts program that you're never going to get a paid co-op, right? And everybody that was like my friends in theater, all the engineers got paid, all the nurses uh-huh. <laughs> got paid. And then it was us over here in the arts program going, okay, yeah, we know what we're doing. Standard. That's such a double standard. That's like not yeah. fair. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, like going off of that, how how do these young artists advocate for themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think <laughs> I really don't want to like put the spotlight on her, but Jess Money, I don't know if you guys know, she's amazingly yes. talented, yes. right? <laughs> Actress, musical theater major, uh, amazing singer, performer. She's great. I think she is someone who does a great job of not being afraid to speak up in a room And to have these conversations with these uh, theater leaders, you know, you can, uh, there are ways you can send an email, you can pull someone to the side, you know, you can ask other artists, right? We're a community. I think one of the great things about Philly theater, there's things to be improved upon, but one of the great things about Philly theater is the sense of community that I do not think you'll find in New York. I haven't been in any other theater community but like I just feel like there's like an overwhelming feeling of love and support and if you have a question um other artists uh more seasoned artists are readily someone will answer your question like it it like it's just a matter of time and quickly too um so if there's if you have questions about how to handle a situation um, I would reach out to other um, artists that you uh, trust or not even that you know personally, but like that you admire their work or you yeah. know that they have similarities to you. If you're, if you're a woman in the room and you don't feel comfortable speaking about some, mm. you know what I mean? Reach out yeah. to other female identifying artists. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I just feel like that support and like the, a uh, willingness to give advice to young artists is so so there. So take advantage of it if you're if you're not sure how to uh, have those conversations or how even to advocate for yourself. And so yeah. I'm gonna plug just money right here because <laughs> I feel like um, yeah she does a great job of that. So mm, I hope <laughs> but people don't like flood her inbox with like questions. <laughs> We're so sorry, <laughs> but yeah. That's fantastic, though. and <laughs> Yeah, I think that also speaks to, like, the importance of having a mentor and, like, and finding out who their friends are that they trust in the community and, like, just keep building your network. Yeah, too yeah, network learn. is so important. <laughs> it's so important. And that's why I think this is also great. You, Margot, doing this, reaching out to, you know, different theater artists, theater leaders in the community and asking them these very important questions. Um, I think it's really, really smart. So, thanks. hey, thanks. I'm, I'm trying my best here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we kind of just talked about this of like, what is Philly theater doing right? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely community. I mm-hmm. can second that. Um, what's something that can be improved on, or like another thing that they're doing right? Like, what is the dichotomy here of sure. the theater community? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so <laughs> the the I think Philly does a fine job of um, a fine job <laughs> of uh, represent rep, uh, representing <laughs> artists of color, the LGBTQ plus community. Fine job. Mm-hmm. I think it can definitely be improved upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and definitely okay let's talk about colorblind versus color conscious <laughs> casting yes, talk about that so oh my goodness <laughs> yeah we just had a conversation uh in pack about this i feel very strongly about the term colorblind casting i don't really like it because i feel like it's so close to like when people are like oh i don't even see color i have i mm-hmm. you know i don't think that is a um idea or like a sentiment that we should be uh, yeah subscribing to especially when we we're making these choices about casting i i i think that i get this the idea behind it but that term colorblind casting it could mm-hmm. be just me but i i don't um again like with the idea behind it being that with the idea that you you're saying like oh the best person for the role will mm-hmm. fulfill this uh this this casting choice it's not about their race mm-hmm. um which is kind of like that backhanded compliment kind of i feel yeah. like um so i just want to be clear like i'm not against uh <laughs> different races being played in like classical plays obviously or historical plays because mm-hmm. for some reason like there's this idea that like people of color didn't exist back then or in her- i don't know like there's this whole thing about um what was that show uh with the british people is it the new one that just came out on that no no, no not bridgerton that was <laughs> I was like, oh, no. it's um it's like a big manor or something in england fountain what? abbey yes 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 there's no people of color in that and like the for that is like oh there wouldn't be any people of color in that specific location back then whatever Uh, um, I'm not saying that I think um, color conscious casting is better because it's like you know the person fulfilling the role even if it is because you like working with that person or you like how they perform this role Mm -hmm. if you're a person of color or if you're doing um, like uh, switching the the gender of the character, mm-hmm. the fact that you're even contemplating doing that, you're conscious of it. Yes, like yeah, you yeah. can't just ignore the person is the person. So whatever race they are, whatever gender they identify with, that's a, a part of them. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know. That's just my whole thing about colorblind and color content, the, the term, the actual term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are some uh, theater companies where they're making these choices and mm-hmm. I'm very much like, okay, well, why did we make that choice? Why is this character black? Why are all the villains in this play uh, mm. color. You know, we just have to be a little bit more conscious, I think, of yeah. what we're doing. And, you know, that uh, there's been some ideas where people have stated that, like, um, they would hire more people of color uh, for these Philly shows, but they don't see these artists or they don't know where they mm. are. They don't know them. And I think that someone said that to me and I just was so amazed by that because this community, Philly especially, is is just so alive and rich with so many BIPOC artists yeah. and people. It is insane to me. It's a shame that the new, the new Freedom Theater uh, it is not a theater anymore, a mm. uh, functioning theater anymore, because um, it just used to be so, so rich with, with with uh leslie Odin jr went there it's it's just Mm -hmm. a shame that there aren't more black theaters in philly i think that's crazy i think there's like one or two and i can't like readily say that we have theater in the x yes but we need more you know like we need so much more because it just is insane to me with all the different yeah diverse people in this community that we don't have more representation of like people that live in this community it's insane to me so i think we need to 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 not ramble i think philly needs to do a better job of not hiring the same (laughs) color just the same ones um 
and making an effort to get to know these young artists and 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 actively seeking out uh artists that represent the community because yes definitely and yeah I think that goes into like that whole idea of I don't know I guess it's actually a connected idea of like bringing up the the young artists right right in the same thing let's not you know necessarily have to be um like younger but I mean artists Mm -hmm. that are new to Philly you know what I mean like if people more people more casting directors would like make an effort to go out and to see different plays or to see different Mm -hmm. works from different companies or go to different schools or what have you um I think the community would be better for it yeah yeah and it's the same thing too like um for the listeners that listen to Pax's episode Mm -hmm. um they help run the gender funk Philly Instagram. Yeah. The whole point is like, Huge fan. you can't say that <laughs> you didn't know that we existed. We're here. Like mm-hmm. here, are all the people that you can employ and that mm-hmm. are able to be hired. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same vein, it's like the same thing can be said for BIPOC artists, for young artists, for those just entering Philly. Like it's all there. Everybody just has to look (laughs) make an effort to open your eyes and look and especially with like the work that pax has done with that instagram Mm -hmm. account they're like very prevalent (laughs) on instagram like it's yeah it's not hard i don't think but hey Mm -hmm. you know who am i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) to each their own right (laughs) and yeah closing out here like i mean you said some amazing stuff about for next generation artists in general, for young artists um, and building that community, not grinding uh, per se. Um, what else do you want? I feels weird to be like the emerging arts leaders in next generation. Cause like you are also part of that because you come out of school. Um, but if you had to give advice, <laughs> um, what would you say to those like me who are graduating, who are just entering the field? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, and I hope it's not cliche. I hope like the other guests that you've had on this, (laughs) I hope I'm not like a parrot, but I would say network, 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 Mm -hmm. and not even like network in the sense of just like getting to know people for like your own like (laughs) selfish like needs, but just like getting to know other artists and theater leaders and see shows See shows that you can have an opinion on them. You know, you don't have to like everything in this community, the Philly theater scene, but like try as best as you can, you know, money's a thing and like, we all got to work. So like, I I hear you and I, and I understand that. Um, But try if you can to see the work of theater companies that you don't know, uh, that you yes. don't have relationships with and and try to margo like you're doing like I, you said earlier that you like a little bit um introverted is that oh, what you said I'm a major introvert <laughs> like my goodness like all of the people that you've talked to it's amazing like it, it there are so many wonderful uh kind not just nice kind mm-hmm. beautiful souls who are just if you literally just say hi my name is whatever and mm-hmm. i really enjoyed your performance or like i'm new to philly or i just yeah. moved here i'd love to grab coffee i i'm a big proponent for tea or coffee like for yes. <laughs> all of like i think a lot of the gigs or the companies that i've worked at uh, those connections I made through just randomly being like, hey, can we get coffee? I'd love to chat about, you know, what mm-hmm. it's like in the Philly theater scene, blah, blah, blah. Um, so just network, just network if you can. Try to uh, find people in this community that you know are your people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you're not close friends with these people, but you know, like, hey, can I get some advice from people, mentors? You know, I mean, everyone yeah. is so amazingly willing to talk and to like <sighs> talk about themselves, talk, <laughs> like offer advice. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. networking. And two, um, if you can 
kind of, I think everyone in the industry, the arts industry has like a problem. I don't want to, well, I'm speaking for myself with like self-confidence at time. Right. So, oh, like, yes. right? Yeah. Um, so much of like this industry is like what you are producing and what you put out. And so that can be tied to self-worth and it's just mm-hmm. like, some unhealthy habits can form if you're not, um, on top of that, um, yeah. remind yourself that it's not try to be grateful for everything and not judge yourself too harshly. And it's everything's fine if we can just like it's theater and it's you know at the end of the day it, it's theater. <laughs> everything is fine. Do the best you can and try to like walk into any room with the confidence that like. This is what Akeem Davis said to me. And I was just like, that's so great. I'm going to take that with me into 2021 and like going forward. Uh, He says, he said this thing about being like, I am grateful to be in this room and you guys are also lucky to have me. He said it better than I am saying it, right? He didn't sound like an asshole when he said it. I feel like I'm like an asshole a little bit. Definitely do not. Okay. (laughs) You try to like, in any new project, it can be a little bit like, oh, like I'm a newer artist. I'm a younger artist. I don't know anyone. You can be a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with imposter syndrome, all that crap. Yes, yes. If you can just try to like, no, like, hey, I know that I am bringing something that no one else can um, and just be more confident, man. You know, have yeah. fun. Have fun. My God, this pandemic. <laughs> Let's all try to have a little bit more fun and, and, and try to be a bit more conscious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I think I needed to hear today too. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I think just like, I don't know, in the words of, for my Drexel theater people, um, Charlie Frazier, it's just theater. Mm -hmm. Um, -hmm. Charlie, um, (laughs) like, it is just theater. They're yeah. a lifestyle. Um, it's a profession, but like, it's not curing cancer. It's like, it does not have to be that big. Sometimes you can just like look back at it and be like, okay, how can I have fun in this situation? How can I get the most out of this and like be fulfilled as an artist versus like, all right, what is the point of this? Right. Um, yeah. Oh and my God. learning and learning. Like even when you get those rejections or you don't get a role or you don't get books for a while yeah. or the moments, because we all have the moments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of like not having anything lined up. <laughs> hey, pandemic. Hey, <laughs> of things being canceled, what have you of not having anything lined up. And it can hard to kind of separate yourself and be like me, the person versus my job. Yeah. What am I successful in this if I don't have anything lined up? You know, not everyone can get all the roles. Not everyone can get, you know, all the parts. And it's just, you know, other artists that you respect and think, oh my God, I see them in show after show after show. Mm -hmm. They've had their own struggles. Like just because you're not seeing that, uh, believe, note that they've had their own struggles that they've had to overcome. So just persevere and, and, Take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> More yoga. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Your time will come and if you are in that room. You can say to yourself what Akeem said to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Carry yeah. that forward if, if not anything else. <laughs> I love it. Well, Tay, thank you so much for coming on. Um, what do you what is coming up for you? Where can listeners kind of check you out online? Um, what's next for you? I know sure. it's but <laughs> No, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so, so much fun. I really appreciate it. Um sure. you can find me. I don't have a website that's a goal for 2021 slash 2020. But you can um follow the Philadelphia Artist Collective Facebook page. Um, and you can also go to our website. It's Phila Artist Collective, P-H-I-L-A-R-T-I-S-T-S Collective. 
everyone knows how to spell collective.org. And so there's a bunch of information about all the stuff we have planned. You can also follow us on Instagram, uh, Instagram and Facebook at Philadelphia Artist Collective. That's like the little tag to find us. Um, and yeah, we also have a reading of Jane Eyre in the spring. We were supposed to do oh, a <laughs> production yeah. for the Perp with Drexel. Um, fine. I would have worked on it's yes, fine. Yes. So, uh, so now it's reading. Uh, there's more information about all this cool stuff I'm talking about on Facebook and Instagram. And if anyone wants to like reach out to me specifically for anything, um, like I said, love making theater friends. You can also uh, ins- uh, find me on Instagram at laugh a lot Tay or uh, add me on Facebook. My name. <laughs> so, and I'm also friends with Margo on Facebook. So, yes. I mean, if you're friends with me, yeah. just look through my friends. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, and all the links will be, as always, in the bio of this episode and on the Instagram page at Pullback the Curtain Pod. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you again, Hey, Thanks for coming on. Thinking, thank you for being so fun to talk to. And thank you for the work that you do in this oh, community. Thank you. You, oh my goodness. I had so much fun. Uh, like an hour flew by and I was like, what? We're done. <laughs> You're really, really great at this. Oh, so if you, you end up like doing more of these, hey, <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Tay. Thank you. Thank you for listening and supporting Pull Back the Curtain, a Philly theater podcast. A huge thank you to the Myron Mike Moss Memorial Fund and the Performing Arts Department at Drexel for all their support. Also, thank you to the amazing top-level donors for this podcast, including Zach Santoro, Katrina Chavez, Stephanie Smith, Brandon Wiles, and Joe and Doreen Catalona. Thank you all for listening and supporting.